0: Cup of tea tales, sex, in search of the birds and bees in the 1960s, going out to youth clubs and the start of growing up. A work still in progress. It was when I was about 13 that my interest in girls appeared. Maybe it was that roundy girls' school was so near, and yet for the pupils of each school so far away, that actually encouraged thoughts of the opposite sex. It was almost cruel to adolescent boys and girls to dangle them so tantalisingly on the other side of a few bushes that separated the two schools' playing fields. At primary school, Hare Hills County Primary, we were only separated during playtimes, and even then I seem to remember that changed as we got older. The division was more about the different activities we had, but of course nowadays girls can do whatever they want, and I guess that is right. But in the 1960s, most didn't want to play soccer with us. Or maybe they did, and we just didn't know. Anyway, the primary years were blissfully ignorant. I think I've mentioned it before, but one boy, Neil Solomon, came to school in Mr Kelly's Year 4 class and told us his mother had told him the facts of life, and he recounted the basics to us. Most of us were shocked. I told him he was wrong and that he had babies by kissing. The class had an impromptu show of hands, and my side won overwhelmingly. It is a clear sign that I know very little, but that I was quite good at arguing a case, even if I was wrong. By the end of primary school, things were changing, and birthday parties started to have games, such as Postman's Knock and Spin the Bottle, when parents weren't supervising too closely. But a quick peck of a kiss was the total limit. At high school, things were changing. Hormones, I guess, were being produced, and by the second year, boys were becoming pimply, smelly, and hair appeared. I really can't understand what nice, sensible girls could find attractive in the spotted, silly oiks that teenage boys become. But I suppose it is good for the continuation of the species that there is something. At Roundy, small groups of girls would loiter on their side of the impenetrable barrier, and it was surprising how often a soccer ball would end up in the bushes, thus allowing one lucky boy to be able to go and retrieve it. It often took a little longer than expected to find it, and a short conversation might take place and a secret note or message might be passed. It was all very much in the manner of the Colditz escape committee. Of course, There were also the camp warders, or in this case, teachers, who occasionally would take their lunchtime supervision seriously and pounce on any unfortunate lad or girl who was on the wrong side of the barrier. I'm sure they laughed about it when they returned to the dense, smoke-filled staff room and reported to their comrades. Detentions, lines or other forms of torture might result, and if you were truly unlucky, it might be a prefect who caught you. Prefects seemed to be of two sorts. Some were decent understanding and had a sense of humour, and others were vicious, power-crazed sadists who delighted in catching anyone and handed out pages of lines and prefect detentions like it was their birthday. I think it was this illustration of what power can do to the human spirit that made me sure that I would never take any position of power lightly. As a head teacher for many years, principal in Australia, I have always liked my students and staff, and I hope that I have never abused my position. I suppose that is something for others to judge. In the 1960s, I can't say there was a lot of education preparing boys for growing up. Biology was the nearest we ever got to sex education, and that was purely functional and mechanical. I can't imagine it was easy for Sweaty Betty or Mr Hyman to deal with an unruly group of adolescent boys who thought they knew everything, but in reality knew next to nothing, but would never let on to anyone. I'm not sure if we covered reproduction in the fifth or the sixth form. Someone will know. The other potential source of information was from your parents. Now, it's one thing listening to a teacher, but quite another having a talk with the, about the facts of life with your parents. The nearest I ever got was my mum, I think saying... "'You've covered sex at school, haven't you?' "'And her looking mighty relieved when I mumbled back, "'whilst turning red, that we had. "'It was a close call, but I escaped that ordeal, "'and I'm sure that she felt very much the same. "'As a result, Neil Solomon was the total source "'of my knowledge up to that point. "'We weren't to be put off, "'and there was an irresistible urge to meet girls, "'but we didn't seem sure how.' My older brother came to the rescue, but he probably never realised. He went to St Wilfrid's Church at the back of Harehill, Stroke, Gipton. He also started attending the youth club there, and he invited me to come along. I can't ever remember having the urge to take my younger brother along when I started going places, but he's obviously a much nicer brother than me. It was held in what was then a new church hall. There was a reasonably large group of youths, boys and girls. A record player, table tennis, soft drinks on sale. I was younger than most there and I didn't know anyone. But my brother allowed me to tag along. He was four years older. I can only think that my presence was like having a dog. People will stop and talk to you if you have a dog. I became a bit of a focus and I quite enjoyed myself. Everyone seemed so grown up and yet they were only in their middle teens. Nothing of note really happened, but it was good to watch the girls and see how the boys behaved. There was a lot of preening, but for most of the time the boys would sit in groups on one side and the girls would dance in circles around their handbags. After my first experience I wanted more, and even attended church, joined the choir and became confirmed. See what you'll do for a way to meet girls. Of course, there were youth clubs around Roundy School, and I was invited to join a group that was going to St Edmunds Youth Club. I seemed to remember it was a Tuesday night. This was going to be it. I did not know if I was an attractive youth, but I wanted more than anything to be one. I didn't have a lot of clothes apart from school uniform, but luckily my older brother did, I sneaked something a bit trendier than a school jumper and shirt from his wardrobe, and I think I had about half a crown in cash. I can't remember where we met up, but maybe at Roundy Park Gates near the tennis courts, but a small group of us headed to St Edmund's. The church was familiar to us as we held the school carol services there, but the hall was large, dark stone and imposing. The group of us approached, walked past the public telephone box on the corner, and followed the one boy who'd been before into the hall. I suppose that the real awakening of adolescence was the realisation that you could find others attractive, and that others could find you so. Up to this point in my life, I don't ever really remember it entering my consciousness. You could be successful in certain activities, sport or otherwise, and that was nice. And of course, your relatives loved you, if you were lucky. That was a given. My arrival at St Edmund's Youth Club was the real start of attempting to get myself noticed. Youth clubs were fairly basic. There would be a record deck with current hits, belting out, table tennis, some dancing, but mainly girls around their backs, and a lot of preening, strutting and nervous introductions. Some people appeared to be naturally cool, and they were the ones we all aspired to emulate. The cool kids had that something, and whatever it was, we all wanted it, or at least a bit. As I have mentioned before, I can't see what girls found attractive in teenage boys, but I was certainly interested in this beautiful alien species of girls. Apparently girls from roundy schools had already cast their eyes over the boys, maybe from a distance through the bushes, or at Oakwood, or at the shops outside the girls' school's entrance but I can't say that I knew many, apart from the one or two who I knew from primary school. The other disadvantage I had was from being from a family of only boys. Two brothers were not a great help in understanding or conversing with girls, and so I was one of those who stood dreadfully embarrassed. This being said, I wasn't really a shrinking violet either. I wanted to be cool, and that meant acting and looking the part. In these times, my wardrobe and most other boys' wardrobes were fairly bare. We had a school uniform, and I had managed to persuade my mother that I needed a pair of jeans. There were only two brands that most of us wanted to be seen in, and they were Levi's and then Wrangler's. Not quite Levi's, but cheaper and still fashionable. I think my first pair of Levi's cost about £5, and that was quite a lot of money. Other gear was often ex-army and navy trench coats, denim shirts or t-shirts. I was fortunate that I could nick my elder brother's gear if he was out and that helped to make me look less of a complete loser. My school friends at the time were Chris Mills, Stuart Spinks, Roger Harvey and Anthony Indyke and we were gaining a reputation that was not altogether wholesome. We became regulars at St Edmunds and then started branching out. Lidget Lane Methodist was the nearest and it became our home base. I remember there were two male leaders and they were fantastic to put up with all that they did. Cedric Robinson was one and I remember him as he had the most uncool name I knew, Cedric. For some reason Lidget had a wider circle of members and there was the old hall building and the new hall and one or two other rooms and a kitchen. Both Lidgett and St Edmunds became venues for our teenage rock band where we could practice and perform over the next few years. I suppose the church youth club provided a safe environment for teenagers to meet and for the church access to potential recruits. I feel very fortunate they were there as there doesn't seem to be the same options for youngsters nowadays. These youth clubs would arrange occasional dances, activities and excursions and are very grateful for the leaders who put up with me and my friends during our chaotic years. I never saw the leaders lose their patience, and they had a lot to contend with. Sometimes rival gangs of lads would send a posse to rival clubs looking for trouble, and yet on the whole, serious conflict was avoided. So I was kitted out the best I could be, And there was a do at the church club, St John's, Moor Allerton on Harrogate Road. I'd borrowed one of my late grandfather's pipes and a pouch of old Holborn tobacco. I'd loved the smell of his pipe and thought it might add something to my maturity and charm. I never smoked one, but how hard could it be? I'd also come up with a theory. Girls would find me far more appealing, mysterious and attractive if I sat by myself looking morose. Puffing on a pipe. As you can imagine, with this recipe for success, how could I fail to win Fair Lady? I can't remember the date exactly, but Build Me Up Buttercup by The Foundations was played endlessly, so 1968. An older song, but still played, was I Can't Help Myself by The Four Tops. The Four Tops may not have been able to help themselves, but clearly the girls at the club managed to and by the end of the night, two things happened. One, I was feeling dreadfully sick and vowed never to smoke a pipe again, and two, I left without a female companion. You're probably thinking, silly fool, and you would be right, but did I learn? No, I tried the same foolproof method to attract girls for a surprisingly long time before I gave up this approach. It never worked, but I know I wasn't alone in believing that this would be successful. I knew others that used it for many years with a similar rate of success. So what did I try next? I bet you're wondering. Was it more successful? Well, I guess the answer was yes. It was more successful, but then it could hardly have been less so. "'Music and pop stardom and a little notoriety "'had worked for the Stones, the Beatles and the Pretty Things. "'Why shouldn't it work for me?' "'It was a chance encounter that changed everything for me. "'One evening at Lidget Methodist Youth Club "'a group of older lads arrived. "'There was one clear leader of the pack "'and he had long, a long black coat and long black floppy hair "'and still does, and I'm so jealous.' he was tall lean and had a presence that was undeniably attractive he was cool somehow i got talking with this group and afterwards wandered down to the edge of the soldiers field and stood around a wooden bench talking we hit it off they were not from roundy but from allerton grange we talked about music and we seemed to have similar tastes within his group was another lad roger and our lives have been mysteriously linked over the years to the point that we now live 200 yards away from each other in Perth, Western Australia. We met up the following week at St Edmund's, or the Methodists, as we called Lidget Lane, and we got to know each other quite well. Pete lived in a large terraced house at Harehills, off Harehills Lane, near Potter Newton Park. The house had an old cellar with its own entrance from the yard. I was invited round and we sat and listened to his record collection. Pete also had an acoustic guitar. Stuart Spinks and I were there and Pete played a song that was a current hit, Neanderthal Man, by Hot Legs, later to become half of 10cc. The year was 1970. It really was one chord, a rhythm and a chant. We could play it and we sang it. We must have thought there was something in it as it was suggested, probably by Pete, that we formed a band. I was all for it. The complication of not having an instrument and not being able to play one was not going to hold me back. It was a chance encounter and a decision that has led to a profound impact on my life, Pete's, and the life of another friend, John. If you enjoy my tales, then you might be interested in knowing that there are two collections of them. The first, A Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and the second, Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years. Both are available as paperback from Amazon and e-books from Kindle.